0: welcome back we have another episode of dirt talk this afternoon evening it's a friday evening and i have mr dane cotton of dc excavation out of bozeman montana on the phone hey dane
1: aaron how you doing
0: i'm just peachy i was telling you before this it's been one hell of a week so i'm <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm pretty stoked it's, it's friday yeah <laughs> been a year it's been a year yeah <laughs> Yeah. But this week's yep. felt like it's been three months.
1: You know, a lot of people in the industry are, are feeling it right now. We deal with a lot of different trades and every time we're in a meeting, if there's a conflict or anything, it always gets brought up. Oh, it's 2020.
0: You yep. can deal with it. Yep. I've been, it, it drives me nuts though that so many people are using it as like a scapegoat to, to not deliver or like not keep their word. Like, well, coronavirus, it's like, Okay. So like you still have to do what you said you're going to do. I don't care about coronavirus or not. It doesn't have, It doesn't matter.
1: You mean follow through is a real thing?
0: Uh, I, well, not in 2020 because whatever, 2020. whatever you promised, you can just claim coronavirus now. And if you don't deliver on it, well, just coronavirus. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh,
1: that's a tactic. We'll just put that one in the tool chest for later.
0: I've seen it play out so many times over and it drives me nuts. It's like, I can't just tell all our people like, Oh, I don't pay them this week. Sorry, coronavirus. I don't know what to tell you. I know I promised you a paycheck, but not coronavirus. I It doesn't work that way.
1: You know, the bank, the bank doesn't cash that check either. No, the bank they doesn't don't, care. They don't care about coronavirus. No,
0: no. I talked to Jimmy about that a few weeks ago, like about missing machine payments. It's like they don't care if the machine's making money or not. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. The bills never stop rolling.
0: Well, uh, Mr. Dane, I told you... So everyone, I told Dane I was going to send him some examples and some questions to think about, and I ended up not doing any of that because this week was a total train wreck and uh, I had some fires to fight. So we are just doing this cold turkey. But I told him all he has to do is sit there and talk.
1: I I guess I have a little experience with that. Maybe that's not a good thing, but
0: you have no problem doing. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I think we'll be all right. So can you explain D.C. Excavation? What do you guys do primarily? What does the business look like?
1: So we started in 2016. I had recently re- relocated to Montana. I grew up in western Colorado. Grew up doing dirt. My dad had a dirt business there. Got out of that. Ended up uh, ended up having a unique opportunity. Uh, purchased a retail leather business. And had kind of turned it around and resold it and moved to Bozeman and ended up working for a developer here locally for about a year. He had purchased a subdivision that had been defunct and had gone through five different bankruptcies. So we were kind of picking up the pieces, building codes had changed multiple times in that, in that realm. We ended up getting it annexed into a city, just lots of things like that. So had the development portion pretty nailed down and throughout all that just kind of saw the quality of work that some of the contractors were doing and they were still I mean they were still killing it and I grew up doing things uh kind of grew up with the mantra you're gonna do it you do it right and uh, so I kind of was missing it more and more and everybody always says they're one bad day away from quitting well that bad day happened and I went and bought a skid steer that night. So I started my business in 2016 with a brand
0: new Cat 279D. Really, and
1: that that was our flagship piece.
0: So you I had a bad day, and, I got, and you went and bought a skid <laughs> one steer. One bad day. Yep. What <laughs> the hell? Wow. Yep,
1: yep. It, and ha- you know, I got to hand it to Cat Fi. Cat Fi helped me out quite a bit. You know, I had I had savings, I had stuff like that. But we were still, you know, two thousand sixteen things were still up up here at least. They were still kind of shaky. But we were coming the the jobs were becoming more prevalent. We were getting getting things rolling a little bit more. And throughout two thousand sixteen it really started taking off. Two thousand seventeen was just a blower year and it's it's gone great until the COVID year that we all like to talk about. Yeah. Um but yeah, so one bad day away it bought us kids here and here we are now.
0: On a sketcher like that, like roughly, like what's what's the monthly payment on a two seventy nine?
1: So mine was thirteen hundred and one dollars uh, in sixty eight cents, I believe. Really? Yeah, and so I made sure that I took care of everything. Well, I had good credit. Just tried to get as many references as I could because when you have a business entity that you start day one, right? How many how many and i know you've struggled with this Aaron too how many banks really want to invest in you you can show profit you can show money in the account yeah. and they still they still are reluctant to invest in you
0: oh dude that's been all uh, yeah that's been that's been the entire time for me it's it's such a yeah. joke yeah
1: well i know we've we've chatted about it personally a couple times and it's just like you know we've we've shared stories of that because it's like there's so many pieces to this people don't see that you know, having a bank on your side is a really, really big deal.
0: Huge, huge. And I, it took me up until basically a few weeks ago to actually get that right banking relationship, but they don't, I, I guess in, in borrowing on an asset is one thing, like borrowing on a skid steer is one thing. Cause at least if it goes right. South, they still have something to take from you. But right. for, for us, like we, we don't have any assets really. I mean, I have two pickup trucks. That's, that's it. As far as assets go for the company, well, if
1: you'd quit crashing those drones. You'd probably have a few more.
0: I Oh well, yeah. The bank doesn't care about those either. It's like, Oh yeah. You can camera equipment. Who cares? It's, right. but it's in, it's insanity. Like just because I don't have history, like I went on this new truck, I went to go borrow on this damn thing. I go show yep. them all the data, all everything for the business. It is just fine to go borrow on this pickup truck. Every single lender tells me to go kick rocks because I don't have three years of history, regardless of how good everything is. I don't have three years of history. They tell me kick rocks. So I go back to them. Me personally, a guy that can't afford the pickup truck I just bought. If it was me personally, there's no way I have no business owning that pickup truck financially because I don't pay myself all that much. And they said, well, come on down. Absolutely. We'll loan you money. And you're just sitting there like, how, how does this make any sense?
1: Well, so we dealt with that. My wife and I dealt with that and buying houses, right? So I really kind of screwed up because we were living in a rental not long after we got married and we had found a house and my business was going well. And, you know, we had money in the bank. We had everything we needed. I mean, we could have we done a 30 to 40% down payment on a house, right? Yeah. They would not look at a dime that I made.
2: It's nuts. And so
1: the banking aspect, like the same thing, she was framing houses at the time and she you know she wasn't making crazy good money she was making decent money but like they would give her like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars right out the gate no problem yeah just because she was a w2 employee
0: I love it uh, just it yeah it's so backwards yeah. how did you um yeah. how did you end up in Bozeman
1: so I just you know, I had some family stuff go on, the recession kind of changed our family dynamic and I was kind of looking for a fresh place. I'd been through Bozeman when I owned the leather business, doing some kind of some outside cold calling and some, some material delivery and I'd really liked the area. And then I had a friend here, um, came up here, went snowmobiling with him and it. Kind of just stuck. I actually met my wife on that trip. We never met before, and I met her on that trip, and it kind of just stuck. So, no kidding. I'm here now, and
0: so your wife's from family, and your wife was in Bozeman.
1: She was. So, Bozeman's an interesting area. It's pretty much a population of transplants. Uh huh. Um, used to be a small little ranching community, and now it's a hit place to live. That keeps getting listed on Forbes and. All these all these big publications as a great place to work from or work remotely or the tech epicenter because we've had quite a few large businesses here, tech-wise. Yeah, Oracle has been here. Um, there's a, a card processing company called Zoot that's here. Pretty decent-sized tech companies that are based out of Bozeman. So, small town, big uh, big business here.
0: Gotcha. And what's your um? So what's your day-to-day like now? Because you, you still run equipment and all that. You're pretty damn involved in the company, like the operation side of things day-to-day, aren't you?
1: Man, I I would love to run equipment more, more than I can. I actually uh, posted a thing last night. You know, it's one of those weeks you and I were talking about earlier, and I just went and hopped on that uh, D6XE and shoved some dirt around. And it kind of cleared my brain a little bit, so yeah. I don't get to run equipment nearly as much as I want to. But I have I have some pretty good guys now, and um, I don't thankfully don't have to. But in, on the flip side of that coin, I really I really miss it. It's in my blood. It's what I do. The office side is not nearly as fun as running the equipment. I can tell you that
0: right now. Big time. I, I actually. Yeah. We just, Tuesday was a, it was just an absolute disaster. So Wednesday morning I went out to, or maybe, maybe Wednesday was the disaster and it was yesterday morning. I went out to, see, I don't even know what day it is anymore. I went out to uh, one of Rosso sites and one of the three thirty sixes was just sitting there. So I got in it for a few hours and just messed around for a while. And it is, it's just therapeutic. I don't know what it is about it, but man, it really does clear your head.
1: Well, you can really let go of things and like, I think it takes enough attention that you kind of quit quit thinking about stuff. Yeah. Um, I noticed when I do like when I was working day in and day out and then going home and doing all the estimates and billing and everything like that I noticed that the days that always went the fastest was when I was doing like fine grade work or working really close to buildings where you had to be super careful because your, your attention is there and the time just flies. Now days where you're just Hauling in a haul truck or something like that; those days can drag on. But for the most part, the the attention to detail; those days, those ones, they fly by.
0: That I guess that's what it is about equipment. Because I am me, I'm not all that great at it, so I have to have like intense focus on what's right in front of me because I don't want to damage something or something like that. I don't want to make a boo boo. I've done a few of those. And uh, it, it really does. Like you just, there's nothing else that matters in the world. It's just what is exactly in front of you. And your phone doesn't matter. Your problems don't matter. It's everything. Like it just forces you to be present.
1: Right. Right. And that you know, there's plenty of distractions around. Equipment's kind of evolved, and it's going to continue to evolve. Like for instance, our 323 Next Gen has a 360 camera, and so you don't have as many distractions from the machine that you can't handle because you see so much more out of these machines now too. So you're watching the screen, you're watching what's around you, and you're trying to hit grade and make it all happen. So that's where, uh, where all the automation stuff comes into play and it's really
2: nice.
0: So now going to that, you're a you're a smaller contractor in the grand scheme of things, but you have some pretty fancy iron, and and I mean the latest and greatest from Caterpillar, from Trimble, and and you got you know nice software like you're you're running the best stuff out there. What's the logic and thinking behind all that?
1: We do. It's a tough market here for employees uh, finding employees. I've been very fortunate this year to have some good employees. Yeah, and we are a little bit of a seasonal area because it gets so cold in the winter here. And we used to plow snow. We don't really do that anymore, but the new equipment has really made a difference for us because our working season is short. So we don't have downtime. And if we do have downtime, the dealer's there right away, everything's under warranty. So we don't have to mess with that. Cause downtime is killer. I mean, and I know Jimmy touched on that as well. You, you can't afford for a machine to be down yeah. and with a warranty that was one of the things about starting with the new skid steer i bought the premier warranty now this is starting to sound like a cat a cat commercial but i did buy the premier warranty and that covers a lot of machine parts that aren't regularly covered gotcha. so and it you can extend it out i think i bought a three-year 3,000 hour warranty really for a guy that's starting out i mean three thousand hours is going to get you a few years yeah so that's that's kind of a crutch like if anything ever goes down you have that warranty to fall back on and you're not going to pay a twenty thousand dollar bill because you lost a drive motor or two or a hydraulic pump goes out i mean these tractors aren't cheap to work on and so having the newer stuff with a warranty is huge and then we transition over into the technology so a lot of these machines Everybody knows Cat's kind of integrated. Ryan was on a few weeks ago talking about that. Yeah. Um, oh, so that, you get, you get Ryan talking in-
0: about that. He doesn't stop talking about it.
1: Oh, man. It's yeah. almost like he could do it for a job. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. that in- <laughs> integration to tech is awesome. One nice thing about it is it's kind of expandable. So we bought R323 with a little bit more technology on it than just the standard 2d package they all come with yeah we bought what was called the 2d advanced so that already comes with the cat grade screen uh the td520 in there as well as the regular monitor so uh, i guess people will refer to it as the Trimble earthworks screen as well kind of the same kind of different but so with that with getting the machine already set up with that it made us upgrading that machine to three D even more economical. Okay. And oh that
0: makes sense. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And so when we when kind of when I started this business, I believe Earthworks was in the works. It wasn't quite launched yet. In twenty seventeen, I wanna say it was twenty seventeen Con Expo, I saw uh Earthworks screen in a link belt at Con Expo. And I thought it was great. I started out with a link belt excavator because we had one of those in Colorado and I really enjoyed running it. And so actually my first big excavator I bought here was a link belt. Really? And yeah. And uh, when we really started going towards technology though, we went with the cat. And reason being, it's it's partially set up. Yeah. So we got that set up switched it to 3d and we don't want anything that doesn't have 3d from here on out.
0: So you can, you can justify the expense there. Cause I, there's probably a, a, I don't know. You could, you could make that argument both ways. I don't know how true any argument is, but there's a lot of people out there, you know, that do smaller work that is like, well, I could never justify spending 3d. Like that's a lot of money to spend on that thing. And I don't, I don't think I'll ever see that return on investment. And then other people are like, I wouldn't even dig without it. Why would you not have it?
1: Well, you know, and to each their own. Like, I'm kind of a firm believer that there is no one set right way. Yeah. I mean, you as a business owner ultimately have to do what's best for you. Yeah. And if you think it's best, then by all means, do it. There's not one set way to do things. We do things differently than a lot of the contractors around here. We get the same end result, but if we can do it in half the time, I mean, that's huge. We might be even 5 10% higher than the next guy, but they know the technology we have. They know the tolerances that technology has, and they know that it's going to be more efficient. I mean, obviously, if you have a job where you're doing a lot of trucking and everything, there's bottlenecks that you can't overcome with technology. Yeah, you simply cannot overcome traffic with technology. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, but there are a lot of things that can be sped up immensely by implementing technology.
0: And I guess it's probably a pretty big competitive advantage for you, since most everyone, most small contractors don't run 3D. I mean, I I only know a handful of them. No, in in the country, we
1: only have we only have six guys right now but we have three excavators that have earthworks or cat grade on them. Um, One is only 2d. The other two are both 3d. They all three have in-con tilt rotators, which is also ludicrous for a lot of people. And I know know you and Jimmy touched on that as well. Yes. Um, Jimmy
0: has his opinions on it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right.
1: And then we have three cat dozers that all have the cat grade 3d, which is earthworks 3d for dozers. And, I think the largest improvement in efficiency we've seen is with the dozers and running GPS. The automatics are absolutely amazing. Yeah, running on the dozers,
0: especially on the new ones, it's like, oh, they're great. Yeah, you you hit the automatics on those new dozers, it's crazy. Like you can, I'm a complete idiot, and I traditionally I can't hit anything with the blade. Like I, there is nothing that says I can operate a dozer when I'm on just a traditional <laughs> dozer. But I hit that automatic yeah. button, and I actually look like I know what I'm doing.
1: No, we call that the happy button.
0: Yeah. So
1: you hit that yeah. little happy yellow button. I told Sam, and maybe Sam can make this happen now since we're giving Cat all these plugs. But uh,
2: no, we need don't. to just
1: put a smiley face on that yellow button. It, it, well. just, it brings a smile to your face every time you punch that, and your grade matches perfectly with your
0: last pass. Dane, you can, you can give it, you can give them all the ideas and all the credit that we could, we could muster up, but they still won't, they won't care because it's not their idea.
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get some special edition stickers out of them or something.
0: (laughs) We'll just have to make them ourselves. I've been, it has been, (laughs) I was, I was giving Ryan, uh, talking some shit yesterday on the new, the new branding on the new excavators. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, we we just recommend all our um, partners just take the stickers off and put their brand on it, and it's actually working now. And I sent some sergeants so to do 336 with not a single cat sticker on it.
2: <laughs> oh boy! Did they
1: end up getting one of those one of those mass X configurations as well?
0: No, 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 no. That was okay. like a Southern site had bought two of them, and that was just kind of like a let's just see what it does. They kind of they bought those knowing like maybe this won't work. And I don't know if they necessarily would go with that configuration again, but it yeah. it's a fascinating looking machine. It just looks funny oh, with such a short stick great. and boom.
1: I love it. I love it. In a three forty nine yeah, bucket. Uh, yeah. So our largest excavators uh, the three twenty three, but you know we run those Incon buckets, the eighty inch bucket, and it's amazing what you can get done with those.
0: Yeah, especially for what you do. Like what what's the kind of work you guys do?
1: So we do, we started off primarily as an anything company, right? Uh, One guy in a skid steer shows up and he's going to make it happen. I actually dug my first house here with a skid steer. And the builder showed up and looked at me and said, man, you're crazy. And, but the the biggest thing is you use what you got. And so in the hustle of things, I ended up, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell this story, but Uh, I ended up demoing a three Oh five five to do the sewer line there in the water hookup. And you know, I'm how old was I? I'm maybe 26 when I started this
2: and you know,
1: this 26 year old guy shows up with a hopped up pickup. Cause those are what's cool. Right. Yep. And uh, I call it the contractor got a, special. Kids here and yeah. Shows up with a brand new mini that the, the customer didn't know it wasn't mine. It was a demo. Right. Wow. So, You get out with the demo, but you got to use what you got. And honestly, like that's what I'm saying. I I really give it to Kat because, you know, six months, five months into me owning that skid steer, they financed me again for the 3055. So that's kind of where things were born and took off there. And then shortly after, we had to do some creative things to get the link belt. And I ended up doing a rental purchase. Through the dealer, the dealer was good enough to work with me. Wow. Um, because there was really no other way. But I'm kind of a firm believer that you know <laughs> we don't get to where we're at by listening to no. Yeah. I mean, you just find a way. So I paid twenty percent interest, essentially, on the link belt for the first little bit to get my equity position high enough to where a bank would finance
0: Yeah. Well, and a lot of uh, a lot of times the people telling you no aren't necessarily the ones that can tell you yes. It's just odd. It's like people kind of just default to no, but there's always someone that's going to say yes. There's just, you can find them anywhere.
1: And the, the biggest thing is, is like a lot of those people, exactly what you're saying. You will find people that say yes. And that, that link felt dealer made it happen for me and I bought the machine and it was a great experience. The guy's a great guy. Woodward tractor out of Cody, Wyoming. Awesome people.
2: There you go. Um, uh,
1: Yeah, there's your plug, Gary. But they, uh, you know, he made it happen for me. And it was a big deal. We ended up getting it financed a little later on. But, you know, until then, he essentially put it out as a rental machine to me. And, you know, they're a smaller dealer, they don't really have a huge rental fleet. And so he really went out on a limb for me and made it happen. And, you know, I guess a large part of everything that I feel like we have attained has been through building relationships.
0: hundred percent. And yeah.
1: maintaining those. What do you think? I mean, a lot of people.
0: But like, why, but, why, why do you think people invested in you early on when you didn't really have much to show for yourself? Why do you think it was?
1: And I, I couldn't even tell you. I, they could have seen a fire in my eyes. Like that's, that's the reality of it. Like you can yeah. tell when someone's determined to make it happen. Yep. There's people that I have seen start out in business and, They've got a flicker of a flame. They don't have a flame and they don't make it long. Yeah. And then there's people that maybe start out with a flicker and then through a couple trial and error situations, it, it turns into a real flame and then it turns into a rolling fire and they just take off. I, I guess I don't know the exact statistics, but the majority of small businesses don't make it. Yep. And a large part of that is because you have to be willing to to do more than you ever have had to do to get to where you want to go
0: well and and like when i when people I, a lot of people will come to me like so i'm thinking about starting a business this and that but they'll they'll kind of already be unsure about it and i'm like if you're unsure about it the answer i would not do it like you need to be all in on this son of a bitch or else it's not going to work like there's just no no way no way! But I couldn't agree more. Like I my, mean, my generation, though, they think they need to go own a business to have freedom. It's like no. Like I would argue, you have less freedom owning a business than more. Like just find oh. the, find the right people to work for and and go all in with them, and they will take care of you, and you won't have the risk either.
1: That's exactly right. So this weekend, for instance, this Friday, as you mentioned, tomorrow I get to go to work. I got two guys that are going out of town. I'm taking one of them to the airport at six in the morning tomorrow and probably another guy that's going hunting it's hunting season in montana so that's what happens but like i've got to get this job done we've got snow coming so i'm the one that's going to work tomorrow and that's fine like i own the business i know that's what's happening but you have to be okay with missing things yeah when i started this business i can't tell you how many extended family functions i missed how many going and hanging out with the boys times i missed like you know i'm 31 years old and so I want to go do those things. Like I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go do that, but you've got to want to run your business and grow your business more. Yeah. I, I mean, I've There's multiple birthday parties. I've missed multiple stuff like that. And like, I understand those are opportunities. I will never get back. But at some point you have to sacrifice in your life if you want this.
0: And pe- some people don't like hearing that, but it's just, it's reality. Like, and the people, the people telling me that I need to calm down a little bit or, or slow things down or take a break are the ones that aren't where I want to be. So I've learned to be like, uh, well, they're not where I want to be. So I don't know if I necessarily should listen to that advice. I know I need to keep my mind at ease and, and I can't go nuts all the time, but I need to be careful with who I take advice from. And this, like for what I've done shit. I mean, it's, it's costed me three relationships already, like three. And right. people say like, there's going to be a cost and you're like, yeah, no, great. I'm, I'm totally down for it. And then you go get punched in the mouth by one of those real costs. And then you're like, yeah, oh man, like this is what they were talking about. This sucks. You
1: honestly cannot measure the cost. Like think of all the sleep that you've lost. And I don't want to by any means discourage anybody from going and doing their own thing. That's really the American dream, right? It's to be able to be your own man or your own woman or your own, whatever you are. Like that's the American dream, so I don't want to discourage anybody from doing that, but just know that it's not an easy road, and the bank will not do anything for your participation trophies. No, they won't cash them. They'll laugh at you. Yeah, so you have to be willing to do the work. Yeah, there's no easy way around it. I know Keaton talks a lot about that too. Like, just be willing to put in the work.
0: Yep, and and so I think like most people don't really most people just want to have control over themselves. They want to be able to make their own decisions. They want to have control over their own time. They want to be able to have control over their destiny. They want to have control. And I guess that's what we're trying to do with our own organization is, you know, me as the business owner, let me take the risk and let me handle all the bullshit that I promise you don't, you don't want to deal with all the insurance and the legal and the, the banking and and all of this. Like, let me deal with all that and let me take the risk on And then let me create an organization in which you can go do what you need to do to get to where you want to be in life. And you like, I'm not bossing you around or anything. You make your own damn decisions. You take ownership and you execute. And I think like we've started to create business like that, that gives that people that freedom. I think that's what most people really want. They just think that, you know, owning a business is the way to get it. But no, I, I don't think that's true.
1: No, and you know, one thing that I think we're going to see as a dynamic shift in our world economy is people are going to realize they can do a lot of what they've been doing from home. Yeah. So office space, commercial space, all that, we might see a dip in that for a substantial amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's the caveat that, well, people are going to be less efficient at home. People are going to get distracted. We don't want to see Frank in his pajamas on the Zoom meeting. Like there's that stuff, but the whole COVID thing, whether you believe it's a real deal or not, it has changed the way business
0: happens. Hundred percent. I think businesses are overcompensating by basically just getting rid of their offices. I think that's a huge miscalculation in itself. I because, do. Too. Because they're they're just looking at wow, oh my god, okay, this is great. Actually, we can save all this overhead. And then we're gonna be our our people are more efficient now. And this is just great. They're looking at what's right in front of them. They're not thinking about the second and third order consequences of now your culture is gonna be diminished. Now your your people are gonna be more lonely. Now it's it's gonna cause many more problems than you're gonna solve. And that's why we're we're doubling down right now. We're about to sign a lease on a new office space here in Nashville, downtown, because I think it's key to our business going forward. I think we're going to, it's going to be one of our biggest competitive advantages. Like business owners, they just see certain things as overhead. They don't see things like they'll just look at a salary. Like, Oh man, this is just more payroll. It's like, no, look at the salary. Like, man, look how much value I get out of this individual and how much better can they make my business? This is an investment. Like I'm stoked to spend $50,000 or whatever I am a year on them because they're giving me so much in return.
1: Exactly. So that's kind of an interesting topic there. The developer I work for here, when I was negotiating my pay with him, he said, look, I will pay you a million dollars a year. But you, in turn, need to make me three million dollars a year.
0: Absolutely.
1: And that always has struck home with me. Like, you know, I will hire anybody. I don't care if they're male, female, whatever. I don't care what race they are. I don't care where they're from. If they have a desire to work and if they are a qualified candidate and I need a candidate for that position, I'll hire. Yeah. I don't care. Ultimately, like there's, you know, there's a big hubbub going on in, in the world about well, equality and all this. And it's like, you know, I don't, we've talked a bit about it too. Like the means to get there, I don't care how we get there as long as the end result is great.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: And that's, you know, that's what's really important is, is the results. Because again, the bank doesn't cash participation trophies. Yep. They cash checks.
0: Yep. Yeah. And so, I, I totally agree with that mentality of, yeah, I'll pay you whatever you want as long as you bring in more value to the company. It's a no brainer. Like we, we pay some people a lot of money, but they bring in a ton of money to the business. So I don't. And right. I'm the, I'm the first one to give people raises too. Cause it's like, dude, right. like you're bringing in so much more than we're paying you. I feel bad about paying right. you this. So we're going to bring you up to here. I've had that conversation right. multiple times just recently.
1: Right. No. And that's, I mean, I think you're, you're seeing a little bit of a culture shift in business too. Like the biggest thing in life that I have learned is to just know your worth. Yeah. And one of the best things you can do is tell people no. Um, 100%. There's a good book out there that kind of outlines this and they go through it. And pretty much the whole premise of the book is no deal is better than a bad deal. So and when did, when so did
0: you learn that? When did you learn that?
1: Probably my second full year in business. So I worked. I guess, back to the story of starting this. Once I bought that I went and put my two weeks notice in and was going to go for it. No real plan, no real anything. I was just going to make it happen, right? Yeah. And talking with the developer, we were going through some phasing in the subdivision and had some projects that needed completed. There were some things I was an integral part in making happen because I already had deals going with people. And so I said, Look, I appreciate what you guys have done for me and giving me this opportunity. I would like to put my two weeks notice in. But if that's not going to work for you, let me know. And I think that was probably one of the best moves I've ever made. Yep. What it did is it salvaged that relationship. I'm still friends with a guy. We don't, I don't necessarily fit his type of contractor for what he does, but I'm still good friends with the guy. And, you know, we, we worked through it. And I ended up staying on, uh, that was February. I ended up staying on all the way through the end of June. Mm. And really going gangbuster July 1st on my own business. Okay, And so that gave me some time to kind of plan, but it also maintained that relationship. And so working for him, I worked half a year there. And then the next couple of years we went through some, some growing. And then about the second year I was getting to the point where I had more work than I can handle. And I would agree to stuff. And, than just not sleep I would work you know 20 hours a day and just not sleep and that was no way to live so that was the point you know a year and a half two years into it where I decided I have to tell people no. and you know over promising and under delivering will never make you a great vendor for any big contractor any small contractor for that matter you're not doing anybody your uh, service yourself included
0: Was there like a, was there like a deal though that you said yes to that broke the, broke the camel's back?
1: I've got a folder of them. Yeah. I I, I guess I'm glutton for punishment. I, you know, that entire summer, I think it's 2017, the entire summer of 2017, I was ragged, just absolutely ragged. I would work six and a half days a week. I would have time to go to church Sunday morning and then I'd go to work. Yeah. And, Like, it just, it was mind-boggling how much I accomplished as a person. I never want to do that again. But I think ultimately it it got us where we're at. You know, that's where it goes back to putting in the work. Like, you have to put in the work until you get to that point where you have to start telling people no. Like, it's full bore.
0: How do you determine uh, who you say yes to and who do you say no to?
1: Ah, that's an interesting concept. I don't like people that don't pay their bills. Uh, um, no, I, I feel like if, that's pretty fair. <laughs> right. If, if I know someone's good for it and I know that they prefer to use us, by all means, we're going to do whatever we can to take care of them.
2: Yep. Um,
1: we do a lot of work for a few different contractors in the area, and we are I would say we're pretty exclusive with them. They don't really venture out a whole lot every now and then we'll be too busy and they'll get somebody else or I'll miss a bid by, you know, a pretty decent margin. And then there's no conversation. It's just, hey, they're, you know, someone else is doing this. But for the most part, we have kind of a set group of contractors we work with. And a lot of it goes back to those relationships. Yeah. What kind of relationship do we have with them? Do we know that if we do our job properly, they're going to do their job and write us a check? Ultimately, at the end of the day, they can't really provide anything else for us besides payment for the job that we do, right? Yep. So that's our reward for doing our job right is we get paid. And that's kind of, you know, you don't ask for more. You don't ask for bonuses. You don't ask for any of that stuff. That's, that's what you get for doing your job properly. Mm-hmm. And so we've had a few people that we've done work for, we've gone above and beyond for, and they either have taken months to pay us we had one this last year that was over six figures that was about eight months to get paid and yeah. that was brutal that was really brutal for a company our size you know there's a lot of larger guys out there that they they laugh at that because they'll uh they'll spend that on you know a couple days payroll Yep. but for us that's you know that's a that's a big deal we've got six employees a bunch of tractors and You know, we bridge a lot of gaps by having technology, but that, that chunk of money, that's a big deal.
0: And when you don't get paid, like a lot of people don't totally understand this concept. They're like, well, you have a contract with them. They signed a contract. It's like, "Great, okay, okay, great. Uh, Cool. Well, so, so sue them. It's like, so yeah. I'm going to go okay, get a yeah, that's a one week process. That
1: means we'll get yeah. paid next week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's going to take even longer. Yeah. It's going to piss them off. I'm going to have to go pay attorney's fees. Like you're just, you're kind of just screwed a lot of times. Like we just wrote well, off exactly. a check. We never got paid. I, I tried everything I could to get it back for, I don't know, probably a year and a half. Didn't get it. So we just wrote it off the other day. I'm like, I don't want to be stressing about this anymore, but it's, and you can't do anything thing about you it. You
1: will never do again you will never work for that person again.
0: A hundred percent. I wouldn't even think about working for them again. Absolutely not.
1: You don't even answer those phone calls.
0: No. And it was a very, it taught us a big lesson. So it was a very cheap investment to learn a great lesson. And and so when you start looking at it like that, you're like, okay, well that's not too bad. Then it was just the price I had to pay for that lesson.
1: Right. The first person that ever shorted me, I will always remember. Yeah. On a $12,000 bill. I got shorted like $263. Wow. And I asked the guy, like, what, like, you know, this is short, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to hold you to your contract or to your estimate that you gave me. And I said, yeah. And in there, it says any sort of additional haul off is extra. Like, that's how this works. That's how all the other contractors do it. That's uniform standard. Like, that's what happens. When you decide that you want the house at this certain elevation and there's an extra few loads of material that have to get hauled out, that truck doesn't run for free. And I don't care to pay for that truck to run because of your decision. Yep. And he said, well, I just, I just got to hold you to it. But I look forward to working with you in the future. Oh. And.
2: Okay. And
1: I said, really? Yeah. Like, really? You, you do, huh? That's interesting. And he actually did call me to do the next one and I told him I said you know I'm really not interested he said well you know we all really need to band together because if things slow down again then uh then you're gonna want that work mm. I said yeah no I you know I really don't yeah I really don't want that work
0: no and you'd probably not take that work even if you needed it I mean it, exactly it's, it's a it's a principle thing when it comes down to that
1: it is we didn't 100% because the 263 dollars so was not gonna break me
0: no no no
1: um, but at the same time, like the minute you let one of those slide is the minute everything goes downhill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We so um, you
1: have to know your worth.
0: Well, the, the very, very, very first project I did for BuildWit, I've never really talked about it. We didn't get paid nope. for. So we had an agreement. We nope. had a contract. It was, it was like four or five grand. It was a ton of money at the time. I thought I just right. hit the jackpot, never right. paid us. And then they called us back, I don't know, a year or two later, said, you know, we feel so bad. We'd love to work with you. And I said, okay, well, we're not going to even talk until you pay this invoice that we've had outstanding. Oh, yeah, we'll get it paid. They didn't get it paid. I'm like, shouldn't have even picked up the damn phone. I shouldn't have even wasted my exactly. time. And it is an enormous it contractor. It you feel dirty enormous. talking to him. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a huge contractor with a very good reputation. But they just totally screwed me. And it's like, man, that just, that sucks. It was the very first one.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk about big contractors doing that, but I think on the flip side, I think there's also quite a few big contractors that are amazing. Yes. Our society is only focused on negative things anymore. Yes. And so you don't hear about, Oh yeah, so-and-so. And I definitely don't tell people this because I don't want them to go approach any of my customers, but, so-and-so paid their bills in 10 days. It was awesome. Like, yeah, you, that, you don't hear of that. So no. those people, we take care of, and we do whatever we can to make sure it happens.
0: It's amazing how that works. Money, money does talk. It all comes down to money. Oh,
1: I mean, I, I've mentioned a few times to a couple different people that wanted stuff done for virtually nothing that I don't do this for practice. Yeah, I don't need practice. Yeah. Like if we're here, we're going to get paid. I can sit at home and go broke, or I can come and wear my tractors out and go broke. I don't think so.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing with businesses people have equated making money to like doing bad stuff. It's like, no, you're so in theory, like perfect business theory the more problems you solve, the more value you deliver, the, the more good you do for people, the more money you should make. It's like Mother Teresa, she made a lot of money, a lot of money. It all went to the church, but she made a ton of money. I mean, that's how the church functions too, is money. Like the, the, it doesn't just happen. So it's, it's right. you know, it, money is directly correlated to doing good things in theory, in perfect business theory, at least.
1: Oh, exactly. And I mean, we all want to live, right? Yeah. Ultimately, that's that's why we do what we do. Yep. We work so that we can live. So if our work is not being compensated, then how do you live?
0: Yep. Oh boy, I could go off on a a tangent on that one. But how does does your um does your does your dad still work for you? My dad does. Yes. How how is that?
1: Yep. Some days it's great, and we have our times too. Yeah. Um, so I grew up working for him, and I learned a lot. My grandpa kind of started things. He he had case backos back in the beginning of time, and he loved having his backos up. So a couple years before he passed, he had a back out and he just, I, I think he kind of was the same way. I mean, you just go drive around for fun. Like that's just what made him tick. Right. Yep. And so it's kind of been in my blood. I've been around it since I was a little, little guy. My dad had a, a painting and grading company in California when I was really small. And so he had big old green terrace scrapers and some pavers. And I actually drove a skip loader for the first time when I was five. And so that's, that's kind of where it all began, right? I mean, every young kid has their Tonkas. And in fact, my daughter even has Tonkas now and she loves them, yep. but she also gets to go with me and ride the tractors and she gets to do that. And so for that, I was extremely fortunate. And I have a lot of great memories of working with my dad and doing pretty much stuff that most people don't have the opportunity to do. I mean, there's not a lot of kids that I went to school with that ever got to go to work with their parents. I know for you, like, you could have probably gone to your dad's office and sat there, but how immersed in the law could you get?
0: Well, that's, I, mean, I would, uh, it's funny you say that. So he lived in a, a high-rise, or uh, worked in a high-rise downtown Phoenix. He would travel every right. week. So he'd be... Most of his work was on the East coast when he was in town and school would be off. He'd take us to the office. And, uh, when we were little, you know, we didn't do anything in the work or anything like that, but I would, uh, and it sounds miserable, but I, but I loved it just below. It was a big, busy street and the buses would drive by and we would write, write down the number on the top of the roof of every bus that would drive by (laughs) and put them on sticky notes on his window. (laughs)
1: Oh boy! And then was this uh, something your dad your dad came up with to keep you busy while he was trying to get work done?
0: Probably, yeah, yep <laughs> That that in the in the snack room like they had a sweet snack room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but otherwise, oh, like, I was not getting immersed in the world of uh, tax law. No.
1: See, there you go. Yeah, and for me, like my world was dirt. So I grew up doing this. I was I graded uh, graded service roads on a ski area we won't name the ski area but I graded roads on a ski area when I was 15 and the guys kept asking like how old is that kid and my dad would just answer and say oh yeah he's old enough and at that point you know things have even changed a lot since then I really don't think anybody would go along with that now no but it it happened so I ran a grader the entire summer when I was 15 and it was it was awesome so
0: So. what I mean, what's it, what's it like now between you guys, as far as like, do you have to pull rank? You know, nowadays, like, listen, like it's kind of my company or do you let him go? Like what's, what's that dynamic like?
1: Well, ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, really, I, I do, I do have to have things done a certain way. Yeah. And you know, we've clashed about it. There's it's no secret. And you know, there's times that he's been right. And there's times that I've been right. And, really you know working with family is tough because you know you have those family functions you have all that stuff and it's you still have to see him then and there's there's a lot of guys i know that have family businesses where everybody's involved in you know they'll tell you it's tough it, it can be great and it can be horrible yeah i think i think ours is pretty decent my dad does he's got a lot of time in skid steers and excavators and you know ultimately i learned a lot of what i know from him and you know i've learned some other stuff from other people and so i can put him on projects that i need someone that has my best interest at heart in that i can't be there and there's that element that he always has my best interest at heart which you can't you can't really develop in somebody that doesn't have yeah
2: that there's there's
1: other guys that that work for me that that also have my best interest at heart there, there, really are. It's, it's, you know, each person is different. There's, there's a lot of people, and one thing I've definitely learned is you have to use people for what they want to be used for. Yep. There's some guys that will devote everything to you, and there's some guys that come want to come and do their job and get their check and then go home. Yep. And it's fine both ways. Yes. But knowing that and knowing who's on what team is a crucial part of staying in business.
0: And that is, uh, that's something I'm trying to wrap my mind around right now because it is a very real, and important concept. Yeah, it's, you make the mistake of thinking everyone is like you and just wants to work all the damn time. And then you right. realize, oh boy, no, like they just want their own damn life too. Like they, this isn't their life. Like it is yours. So you need to right. understand that.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And you know, loyalty is, it's not something that, at least my firm belief is it's not something you can develop in somebody. No. I mean, they either have it and you can break that loyalty by not treating them properly or they don't. Like, I don't think it's a trait that you can develop in people.
0: I think you can influence it though, by giving them your loyalty first. Like, I like agree anything. I agree that people have it to begin y- yeah, with. Yeah. No, that, that is true. But the, the best way I've learned to develop it is by giving them just absolute, almost blind trust and loyalty and basically being like, you know, I trust you wholeheartedly. So until you prove me right. wrong, you're going to have this level of trust. And if you do, if you're right. that vulnerable with people, they, they reciprocate it. There goes your damn truck. Well, and
1: there's the truck making its racket. You can't keep these things running. They always want to shut off when you got to keep up. Um, Yeah. I was just talking with another a guy that does forestry stuff here today. We were dealing with some of the, some of the fire fallout. We just had a big wildfire here and burned a bunch of houses. But we went up to a property today that had about 20 acres of trees burned and they want to take care of them. So we were riding around looking at that this morning. And we were talking about kind of delegation of tasks. And I was voicing to him. I said, man, one of the hardest things for me to do is to put faith and trust in people because I I guess a large part of it has to do with because I worked so hard in the beginning. Like it almost handicapped me to not trust. Yep. And this year I've I've had to just trust. And, you know, there's been some instances where, where things haven't worked out the way I wanted them to, but for the most part, like I've been pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And a large part of that is just overcoming that. And, you know, I've spoken with Ryan about that too, with uh, rock structures. Like, you know, it's hard to let go, but you just have to, because you can't be in every seat at one time. Yep. You can't be on every job at one time. You can't always write every single check. Like you, you're going to get to a point where you have to have help and you have to trust and there are going to be mistakes. There's some mistakes you can come back from and there's some you cannot come back from. So finding that person that you can let go and trust with an important task is a big deal.
0: You know, unfortunately, I've never struggled with that because I am trusting almost to a fault and I will just I will just blindly trust people. And and, I mean, a lot of time and it has bitten me in the ass a lot of times over, a lot of times over. And yet I still keep doing it. I, I call myself just like a golden retriever. Like you're just, <laughs> they, they just trust You'll everybody. Be my friend. Oh yeah, yeah, they trust <laughs> everybody. Um, yep. But it's served me well in business because it it has allowed me to, you know what, just make your own damn decisions and and go do what you need to do. And that's why I think we've been right. able to scale so quickly over the past year.
1: Right. Well, and I think I think um, I think it's hindered my business because I don't trust enough. Yeah. And you know I'm sure nobody likes somebody that is always looking over their shoulder when they're trying to accomplish a task. Right. So you have employees, like I have to trust that they're going to do what they're doing. Yep. Um, they get a paycheck because they do what they do. They just need to make sure that they do that. I mean, that is their reward for doing what I hired them for. They get a
2: paycheck. Yeah.
1: Every other week. Yep. And so that trust getting to that point, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I ruined a couple of relationships that could have been good with employees. And I am hundred percent accountable for that. And I will take account for that every single time I had one of my good friends work for me when I was first starting out. And it was, you know, when you're starting out, things are stressful, things are tough. And it, it's hard on friendships. It's hard on all sorts of stuff. And we're still really good friends today. He doesn't work here anymore, but we're still really good friends today. But for a bit there, when he left, we, we struggled. Mm. we definitely struggle yeah so and i think a large part of that had to do with there was not not the mutual trust that there should have been and it's i will take 100 percent credit for that i mean it is 100 percent my fault
0: oh well, sometimes you have to live through it to learn the lesson as long as you so, learn the lesson I mean,
1: yeah i mean I, i'm also a firm believer and you don't ever stop learning because the minute you do you become stagnant and irrelevant
0: well, especially in this business, it is so damn, just every project is so damn different from the last one.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we deal with a full gambit of things from residential to commercial. And so in, in there things are, things differ even between there. And, and so like, like saying, everything is so different.
0: Yeah. Well, even month to month where you're at the weather up, there's a real deal. So you could dig a basement. You can dig one basement and dig one right next to it three months later and it's a totally different ball game.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And even even our soils type, so our soils up here are all over the place. I mean, we have geotech reports on almost every single project we work on and we just ran into a scenario where the geotech report was on that specific lot. It was test bits that they did a few years prior and it did not match up with what was under the ground at all, yeah. not in the slightest, and so just everything in our business varies.
0: You know that's probably and, the, that's the probably the first time that's ever happened where a geotech report has not yeah, been accurate. Right, <laughs> right, uh-huh.
1: yeah, yeah. No, it it's just you know you got to be able to roll with it and move on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and there's no time to cry about it.
1: There's not. I mean, really, it goes back to results. It's it. yield result. Yep. That's why your customer hires.
0: That's it. It's so As easy as that.
1: Long as we what's that?
0: This whole business thing isn't that hard.
1: It's not. Just give people results.
0: Yeah, I give call it nice work. I just results. I call it putting points on the board. Just put damn points on the board. That's all I care about. Just put them on the board. If there's no points on the board, right. we got some problems.
1: Right. Yeah. So you win some and you lose some. Yeah. You're not going to win anything if you don't get a single point on the board.
0: Exactly. So,
1: yeah.
0: Well, Mister. Yep. Yeah, we're uh, we've been chatting for about an hour here.
1: Oh man.
0: And I know you I'm have. A, when you're having fun, I know you have a family and other things to do beyond talk to me. And I don't have a family or any other responsibilities beyond the business. But I'm going to go probably drink myself to sleep tonight uh, after, after this I get week.
1: <laughs> I get to go back in the office and do a few hours of computer work.
0: Oh boy. Lucky you. Oh yeah. Hey, it's I'll fine. I'll come up there and work for free one of these days if I can ever make it up to Bozeman again.
1: That would be great. I think you already you already did some did some of that for us. I actually have some pretty awesome build with pictures hanging on the wall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You let me run the, the excavator with the twisty thing on it.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, the guy that the guy that's running it now is is about your height, so I think you could hop in there and actually touch the floor this time.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> that's the very first thing I have to do for every machine is adjust <laughs> the damn seat.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's all down. It's ready for you, man. It's all cleaned out, counterweights all freshened up and beautiful. Uh, it's it's ready for you.
0: Well, Chell and Angel will actually be in Billings in two weeks, so they'll be pretty close to you.
1: Well, I'm telling this thing on by, we got a couple hours away from there, but that'll work.
0: Yeah, well, that's a lot closer than where I'm at. Yeah. All right, well, man. Well, uh, how do people find you on Instagram at DC Excavation? Is that right?
1: Yes, sir. Sweet. We're there. We're on uh, Facebook and we actually have a TikTok as well. Really? Kind of, kind of going new age there. Yeah. Whoa. It's a really interesting platform. So. We're still experiencing, so don't judge us too hard over our TikTok.
0: Okay, how youthful. Wow, you're really in how with the youthful. crowd. Jeez,
1: Just trying to be, man. I'm not that much older than you, Aaron. So I know, I know. Maybe it's time that Aaron developed the TikTok.
0: I don't trust the Chinese.
1: I think they got bought out, didn't they? How well do you trust Bill Gates?
0: Not at all, either.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, less I think than. <laughs> the whole deal with that is Microsoft took him on.
0: I've read too many conspiracy theories about Bill Gates to trust that guy anymore. I don't know if any of it's (laughs) at all true, but there are some very compelling theories out there.
1: I think you and 98% of America feels that way. Yeah,
0: no, there's some crazy stuff out there on Bill. And I, I I was always, I had never, I've never had a single problem with Bill Gates up until like the past six months. And then all this stuff about Bill Gates is out there now. And it makes you think you're like, Oh man, like that could totally be true. That's not even that outlandish.
1: Well, and with the Public Information Act, there's a lot of data out there that has his companies and his name all over it. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of thumbprints, and and you can, there's only so many dots, and, and then once they start connecting, it's like huh, maybe something is up here, but we'll never know. That's uh, that's all uh, above our pay grade.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. We'll just keep digging holes. And taking pictures. How's that sound?
0: You know, I like to, I like to live a simple life, so I'll I'll keep it to that.
1: There you go. All
0: right, man. Well, Mr. Dane Cotton from DC excavation. Thanks for stopping by.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: And uh, with that, I appreciate everyone listening as always. Please share this episode with other folks. I've appreciated all the sharing going on. It's really cool. Our numbers are crazy. It's amazing people listen to this stuff. So if you found it exciting, if you learned something, pass it on to somebody else. Maybe they can learn something too. And hopefully we keep bringing you uh, good stuff. So with that, stay dirty.